Hi, everybody, and welcome to a quick take, hot take episode of the Total Soccer Show. It is weird to begin an episode like that, but I'm trying to make it clear that this is not our normal episode. The lack of music has probably given that away. My name is Taylor Rockwell. On today's show, we're basically going to be breaking down our immediate thoughts from the USA's 1-0 win over Haiti in the Gold Cup. The USA's first game of the tournament was certainly a game of the tournament. Uh, with me tonight uh, to help discuss that one, to go through some talking points, to figure out what we're going to pay attention to in the rewatch, is a gentleman who, I am sad to admit, is no longer America's most promising youngster. Uh, Jean-Luc Abusio has taken darn. his crown and he is now moving into crafty veteran status. It's Joe Lowry. <laughs> Hello, crafty veteran Joe. Reggie Cannon and I just hanging out in the crafty veteran booth or whatever that is. <laughs> Taylor, I will say, you you perfectly you perfectly delineated this episode from regular TSS episodes because the second you said hi everybody instead of hello everybody or hello yep. everyone, I thought, oh mm-hmm. wow, yeah, this is something different. This is new. This is different. Um well done, well played, because that was a, that was my first thought. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's it's important to do that because otherwise we will get tweets and emails being like, hey, I don't think you guys put music on the front of that one. <laughs> uh, so I think to make it clear that it's a different one, uh, I wanted to go that route. And yeah, again, if you found us during the Euros or just prior to the Euros and you are sticking with us, if European, if you are a European who wants to hear about the U.S. men's national team, welcome. And if you've been with us for a while, also welcome. Um but basically what we do with these types of shows is the U.S. has just played. We kind of go through, as I said, our quick take, quick observations, and then we rewatch, and then we reconvene and break down the game in more detail and figure out what we were right on, what we got wrong, what needed to change, all those good things. So, Joe, with that in mind, let's get to this lineup for a moment for the U.S. Because I wrote it down very quickly and sort of didn't take it in until right before kickoff, and then I got very confused. Uh, what were your thoughts when you first saw who was going to be in that starting 11? Um, I was a little surprised, honestly, and, and that mostly centers around one individual, and it's an individual who wasn't in the starting lineup. I was surprised that Daryl DK didn't get the nod at mm-hmm. the number nine spot. It was Jossie Zardes in the middle of that front line. The rest of it I wasn't super surprised about. Uh, we saw Shaq Moore over Reggie Cannon, at right back, and that was, as we found out, only because Reggie Cannon had a little hamstring injury, I believe it was. I could be wrong, but some sort of little knock that kept him out. And Shaq Moore, I thought, was excellent in this game, and so I really am glad we got to see him, obviously hoping that Reggie Cannon is okay and working back to fitness. But yeah, it really was the, the DK being on the bench and, and Zardes getting the look in the starting 11. That surprised me, especially because this group doesn't have a lot of attacking talent. You and I talked about that on the preview show for this game and for this tournament for the U.S. The winger, the wingers are, are not especially creative, and there aren't even a lot of wingers on this roster in the first place. And so then just having the most promising attacker in this roster on the bench surprised me. But obviously we know Greg Berhalter likes Jesse Zardes, and he brings a lot to the table. I'm not saying he doesn't. But uh, I was a bit taken aback by that. Taylor, was that a surprise to you? I assume it was. Yes. Yeah, uh, it was. And I, and in the same way, Shaq Moore was a surprise to me, but I thought like, okay, there's probably a reason, or maybe he just wants to kind of roll the dice, see what happens. And then, as you said, we got that explanation for Reggie Cannon, the, the injury concern. So he wasn't even in the squad. And that felt like a very concrete explanation. And then that was especially the case when contrasted with the Daryl DK, like, and he played a lot of minutes. And so they probably just want to manage his minutes. There were a few conditionals in there that were not there when they were explaining why Reggie Cannon wasn't in the 11. So yeah, I, I, I was definitely 
confused by that one. To be honest, I ended up confused when Daryl DK was brought on because I'm not sure that formation change the U.S. went for in the 75th minute or thereabouts worked all that well. Uh, aside from that, I also was not expecting both Jackson Ewell and, and Kellen Acosta. I thought it would be one or the other with maybe a different uh, number eight ahead of them. So for it to be both of them, uh, I wasn't displeased by that, but I was surprised. Joe, were you more sort of on board for that one, or did you just not see, or did you see that one coming? I kind of saw it coming. I kind of expected it just because Jackson Ewell is Baralther's guy at the six. And we've seen Acosta play the eight before. Yes, he's come in and he played the six against Jamaica, right? And that was kind of the, oh, wow, Jackson Ewell's in the sixth depth chart kind of game. But he's he's also done that eight job enough that I I think Berhalter's very comfortable with you at the six, Acosta as one of the central midfielders, and then in this game it was Legette on the other side of central midfield. That that didn't surprise me. I did bold Yule in my little lineup notes because I wasn't surprised, but I I kind of was disappointed. It's like when your kid does something that you know, is is wrong, and you're ah, you know I I'm not surprised, but I am disappointed. Yeah. It's that situation because Yule we saw in the Nations League, and we've seen glimpses of it before. Just doesn't appear to have all the pieces of the puzzle at that spot that I'd like him to have. And I know I'm not alone in this. And so I wanted to bring him up. I don't think he had the best game. He didn't, you know, he wasn't awful. He did some things well. He got out of tight spaces a couple times, but he loses the ball a little bit too much for my liking. He certainly did tonight. It doesn't cover a lot of ground defensively. doesn't seem to read the play super well. And I don't know, all those things kind of make for an unfortunate set of circumstances surrounding his performance tonight. And with the quick take, we sort of jump around, we bounce around from topic to topic, and then we will have a more orderly process of breaking down the game in the full review. But with that in mind, I will agree with you on what you said with Jackson Ewell, and I will contrast it again with uh, with Gianluca Busio coming on. And there's a very specific moment that stood out to me. Uh, it's Jackson Ewell on the ball in the 61st minute, and he has a, a Haitian player on either side of him. And if he was able to play on the half turn and receive a ball while turning and then move the ball forward maybe a couple yards, he has... 20, 30 yards of space in front of him. He has options on the left and on the right. And the entire Haiti team is basically broken open because he evaded the press. But Jackson Ewell's first touch is right underneath him. His second touch is backwards. And his third touch is a pass back. And Haiti's shape steps up a little bit more. And the press is there. And the U.S., I think, ends up dispossessed. And... I wrote this on Twitter. When Busio comes on, he is demanding the ball, but he's demanding the ball with a player on his back or two players on his back or somebody near him or pressure arriving. And just that level of I want the ball and I want it under pressure and I'm willing to turn with it. It just was a very big contrast for me and and did have me feeling more positive, I think. That was probably my biggest bright spot of the second half was the introduction of Gianluca Busio and then some of what he did on the ball. Not all of it. I'm not one of the partisan crowd who cheered at literally everything he did, which was great. Uh, but I will say I was very impressed by him. It was so cool, man. It was so cool to see him debut at Children's Mercy Park in front of the SKC fans. They cheered literally every touch, like you're saying, Taylor. It was, I don't know, it was awesome. It, it didn't give me chills, but it was so, so cool. I want to go back through. This is one of the things that I want to look for and rewatch and just watch every touch of his very closely. And I'm sure someone will make a beautiful video and it'll be out on Twitter and that'll make my life very easy. But I, I want to go back through because I agree. I think Busio was good, but I want to see how good he was. And I, I just wrote a piece for The Athletic last week. I think time is a blur, but I, I wrote a piece in depth on what he brings offensively, not as much defensively. I was already at like 1,500 words, so there wasn't a ton of room left at that point. Um, But I want to go back through and see, did he do the same things that he does for SKC? What was different? Was he more aggressive with his passing? Because that was a little knock I had on him. What did he do to help the U.S. bring the ball forward? Because I think he... I think he did do that kind of stuff, but I guess how maybe is a better question. How effective was he at that? 
stuff. I want to go back through and find all that stuff. Taylor, jumping uh, to a couple other people who came off mm-hmm. the bench in this game, I was also just stoked to see James Sands and Eric Williamson debut for the U.S. Men's National Team. Busio gets his debut. Sands and Williamson do as well. They both had some classic Sands and Williamson moments. Sands comes in and plays a center-center back role in a back three in that 3-5-2. And he does that sometimes for NYCFC in the middle of a back three. I thought he looked comfortable stepping forward to create passing angles. I want to go back through and watch his performance in more detail as well. But I liked what I saw. And then Williamson had one little slaloming dribble that was just so classic from him, even as a young player. He wasn't perfect. I think he maybe was the worst of those three young players that we've talked about. But I don't know, just just good to see in a game like this, you get a good result in a mixed performance. Good to see young players coming onto the field and at least showing flashes of their full potential. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on that one when we reconvene. Uh, in the meantime, I would add, I did not think that those, while those changes were exciting, that was when we did have that shift to like the 5-3-2 or whatever you want to go with, but either way, it's a back three. I don't think it worked that well because at that point, I think it was Vines and Acosta were your two wingbacks, and they'd been in the whole game. I also think they weren't as focused on getting involved in the attack, which meant that even with that front two, exciting as it could have been, Really, the only way you're getting them uh, involved is via long balls at that point, and then it kind of becomes a crapshoot, which Daryl DK is used to from playing with Barnsley, but I don't think it was the best representation of what Burhalter wants to do when the U.S. attacks. So I want to confirm that maybe that wasn't as uh, successful as I thought it maybe might have been, but now don't think it was. Uh, I also want to, I don't even want to pay that much more attention to it. I just want to note that Walker Zimmerman was great. Uh, I thought his distribution was excellent, especially in the first 20 to 30 minutes of this game when Haiti were sort of all over the place with their defensive approach and there was much internal discussion about how to solve things, but I thought Zimmerman kept picking them apart, kept splitting lines with some of his passes, did well to find Kellen Acosta in space, or did well to just play directly into the feet of Shaq Moore, and I thought his distribution was definitely a major bright spot for the U.S. Zimmerman's pass to Acosta on the run kind of makes that first goal, or it's a big, or only goal, I should say. It's a big part of the build-up to that goal. The run from Acosta is lovely, and Shaq Moore is pulled wide, and so he's pulling experience, or however however you want to say it, wide for Haiti uh, as their left back, and so he's created a gap. Moore, with his position, has created this gap for Acosta to run through, and it's just a lovely ball from Zimmerman forward on that play. I agree, Taylor. I think Walker Zimmerman was very good. I was a little bit disappointed on first watch in Miles Robinson. Because his his mm-hmm. big thing is is 1v1 defending, right? That's what's been talked about by players who have gone against him at Atlanta United in training and all of that stuff. And I've seen it in Major League Soccer, and I'm sure you have and others have as well. But in the third minute of this game, and I know it's early, I know he's still an inexperienced player, relatively speaking. But he's beaten 1v1 in defensive transition in the third minute. And that's the exact moment why that, – that's why you have Miles Robinson in this team. There were a couple other moments where I don't think he looked entirely sure of where to go or what to do. So I don't know. Maybe I'll take another look at that as I go back through. But I, I wanted the best for Miles Robinson in this game, and especially compared to Walker Zimmerman. I'm not sure we saw that. What about our wide attackers in this one? Paul Ariola obviously going off with injury. Maybe we don't have to focus in on him as much, but uh, Joe Aquini on the right and Jonathan Lewis on the, on the left primarily in this game. I didn't think they, they looked all that good. I think their passing was decent to fine, but not, certainly not great. Uh, and I also just thought some of the decision making was suspect at best. Joe, did you think that that was them doing what they'd been asked to do? Or was that them just maybe not being up to the kind of 1v1s that they found themselves in? 
I think it was them not being up for those 1v1 situations or mm. whatever the situation was because I wrote down in my notes, and I can't find it right now, but something to the effect of the, the wide attackers, the wingers, especially Jonathan Lewis, getting into good spots, right? Like like the system is doing its job. The second half play was a little sloppier and it was a little more direct. But in the first half maybe, the latter stages, the wingers were getting into good spots either on the outside you know, corridors of the box or in zone 14 or just outside of zone 14. They were finding the ball in dangerous places. But then those attacks, once the ball had gotten there to Lewis or to Joachini, they those attacks really weren't going anywhere. And that's a little bit discouraging with this group, right? Because this is the roster that Berhalter has for the Gold Cup. This is the group that's going to try to win this trophy. And now that you're without Paul Ariola for who knows how long, it's getting even harder with the lack of depth that wide. But I will say, I was encouraged by the fact that the U.S. was getting the ball into those spots, right? Because if it's Brendan Aronson, if it's Tim Weah, if it's Gio Reyna, if it's Christian Pulisic getting on the ball in those spots, I, I don't think this is a one no win. This is a, a much wider margin of victory for the United States if it's that quality of player finding the ball there. So the system was kind of doing its job, but the final component that you need as sort of the cherry on top, I, I guess, or maybe it's more substantial than that. I think that that last piece, that last 30% or whatever was lacking in this game. And that's okay. I think we're going to see a lot of that in this Gold Cup, but it is certainly something to watch for. So it sounds like you were uh, like more negative at the end of this game than, than I was, because I think I was pretty optimistic, pretty happy with what I saw in that first half. Definitely less so in the second half. And I think the U.S. came out flatter. I can't tell if that was complacency or just sort of trying to pace themselves for the entirety of the tournament or if they were just uh, outplayed. But I thought Haiti came out much more alive for the second half and much more focused on causing the United States problems. And I think they did that really well. And I'm really interested in why Berhalter's changes didn't seem to stop that. Normally, when you're making those adjustments, we talked about it earlier when it came to the Euro final and what uh, Mancini was doing, that you'll see those like, oh, okay, they're trying to do this, so we're going to put this guy on, and he's going to limit the effectiveness of that and hopefully simultaneously make them do this thing that we want them to do. And a lot of those changes, maybe I have too high of expectations because it's the first game of a group stage of a tournament where we're playing our C team or thereabouts. So maybe that's maybe that's too much, but I, I didn't feel like those changes ever forced Haiti back and made them adjust and gave the United States more control in that second half. It felt like it kept being like for like, and then the performance remained like for like. Yeah, I don't know. And I, sorry, I guess to go back, I'm not. I'm not trying to be overly negative here, and that's that's. Kind oh, no, of no, I'm bad. not saying you are. I just think I just think you're a little more than I am. You're yeah, never yeah. overly negative, Joe. I don't think that's <laughs> a setting you have. I appreciate that. I think yeah, the second half was just not not super good, right? Not not very good with how this team was playing. There were good moments, absolutely. There were good moments and exciting debuts and all that stuff that we've already talked about. But Taylor, I agree with you. I don't think the subs made a big change, and part of that could be. It's not that the, those players were put into unfamiliar positions, because I think Berhalter actually did a good job of putting on the debutants into spots where they're comfortable, with Sands in the middle of the back three, Busio at the six, which is what he's been doing for SKC almost all season long, Williamson playing as an eight with license to get forward. I mean, those are familiar roles for a lot of these players, but it, it might have been a bit too much to ask for them to completely change the tide of the game in a different system. Maybe they trained that 3-5-2. They probably had briefly. 
But I can't imagine that this group has spent much time in that shape because I don't think it's something that Baralta will look to with the full group often at all. So there's a lot of factors working against them here in a game like this when the the second half already wasn't super pretty and they weren't really making a ton of inroads in that 4-3-3. You change things up and you lose a little bit of rhythm in terms of the personnel and you change the shape. That's kind of a hard pair of obstacles to overcome, I think. Joe, what else should we be paying attention to in the uh, rewatch, or what should we maybe write down? Because I've got Busio touches as a as a thing that you're going to be paying particular <laughs> attention to when you go back and look. What, what else, like, uh, should we have on our list? Yeah, so Busio touches. I want to take a closer look in at Sam's and Sands and Williamson. I want to look at, and we've kind of talked about this already, but I want to take a deeper look at why the U.S. struggled to create chances in open play because they had some good chances on set pieces, and they they obviously scored the goal in the first half early on with a nice bit of well-worked possession that we've kind of already talked about. But why was the second half not as attractive? Why was the end of the first half not as appealing in an attacking sense? Maybe it is because it was too direct and a little bit rushed. Maybe it is the lack of rhythm in the second half. I don't know. Those are my current hypotheses, but I want to find out more. My other thing, my main thing, and you and I texted about this a little bit, we haven't talked about it yet, is the U.S.'s press. And I'm almost hesitant to call it a press sometimes because it kind of looked like a high block. And what I mean by that is a lot of teams defend in a low block or a mid block. And Haiti started out in this game in a 4-4-2 mid block, you know, dropping into a low block in their own half. Not a ton of pressure on the ball. The U.S. recently have been high-pressing a lot more and applying a lot of pressure on the ball when they're stepping high up the field defensively. They did that sometimes in this game, but other times they just kind of drew the line in the sand about 30 yards, 24 yards into Haiti's half away from the end line and just kind of stood there and gave Haiti a little bit too much time to pass the ball around. And some of that might have been baiting and trapping to try to get Sylvester to be the one distributing, and I think that worked out well at times. But other times, man, the U.S. just got carved up by Haiti, which is kind of a problem. I thought Acosta and Moore did a good job pressing pressing on that right side. Ewell and Leggett, not so much in the middle and on the left. So I want to go back through and look, was was there a set of deliberate tactics there? Taylor, I know you have some thoughts on that. Or, or were these lapses? What was the issue there? I want to find out. Yeah. Yeah, because I think like you have those moments in the first half where Haiti do counter effectively and do get a chance here or an opportunity there. And the one that really loomed large for me was the uh, Etienne chance when he gets the ball cut back to him. He shoots it. I thought it went in for a moment, uh, but it hit the side netting, maybe tinged the post there. Uh, and I tweeted about this, that uh, in the replay, it looks like Sam Vines is 30 to 40 yards out of position. And, and he was, but that's because he tracked his mark all the way up the field. He left that space. Sebastian Legette filled in. But then as soon as the ball switched from Hades right to Hades left, Legette went back to the middle. Sam Vines was still in an advanced position. And then you have that huge gap. And I spotlight that to then say that was like an individual breakdown where two players maybe didn't communicate as well as they could have or one player didn't do what he needed to do defensively in his personal obligation. But in that second half, it was much more consistent from Haiti and much more widespread that they seemed capable of attacking at times down the left, at times down the right, at times through the middle, sometimes direct, sometimes possessing. And that to me says there wasn't a like a limiting of their options as the game went on. It wasn't, okay, they want to do this and we've cut off their plan A and their plan B and their plan C. So now we're letting them do plan D, which is where we are comfortable. It felt like as the game went on, the opposite occurred and more 
opportunities opened up. And again, some of that is substitutions. Some of that is uh, changes to the kind of flow of the game as it progresses. But I do think there are also things that Haiti figured out or were able to do in the U.S. Whatever that defensive approach was just wasn't solid enough to deal with. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. And and we'll go back through and grab our magnifying glasses and try to get to (laughs) the bottom of that. I I guess – Man, I don't, I don't know. I, I just come away a little bit mixed on this performance. There mm. were positive things. We've talked about some of those things. There were negative things. And I guess we don't have to look at it in a binary way, right? That's one of the beautiful things about this show is it's not, ah, everything's bad, everything's good. But I think yep. maybe I'm still just in that middle ground place, not really sure if I want to step to one side or the other side. Not, I'm not really confident that I feel like this was a good performance yeah. or a terrible performance. I think it probably was somewhere in the middle. I'm just kind of thinking out loud at this point. Yeah, I, I think where, where I will leave it as we get to the, uh, the close of this one is basically that I, I wanted to make note of this for in, in case things changed. And at the end of the first half, I wrote down that that was a B plus performance from me, uh, for me, because I thought the United States, though they did give up some of those chances or half chances, I thought I saw a lot of positive play. I saw patterns of play and specific, like, uh, ways they wanted yeah, to attack yeah. and build up patterns that made me pleased so I was with B plus there it was more of a C to maybe a C minus in the second half because to me a C is yeah you did the job but you didn't really prove anything you did just enough that you needed to do and I feel like that is what that second half was the question then becomes is that a thing we've seen time and time again in different tournaments is it England not inspiring that much in their opening game but then putting it together and going all the way to the final ideally the US maybe takes it one step (laughs) further in this tournament hopefully Uh, but it could be that. And we saw Mexico struggle yesterday with Trinidad and Tobago. And it, it, these tournaments can be more challenging and complicated than we expect or than maybe some of the players might have expected. So I think for them to come away with the win is an obvious positive. And I think for Jean-Luc Abusio to have made me feel things, which he definitely did, <laughs> maybe bumps it to like a C plus, maybe a B minus uh, for me overall. And you're right, Joe, that it doesn't need to be like this way or that way and nothing else in between. But I, I like having that sort of in mind to then go back and read watch and know like oh, i was mostly happy about this one now let's see if that was correct or if i was just in a good mood because the euros are finally done <laughs> i didn't i didn't come up with a letter grade taylor but i'm just going to steal yours and then we can make that our universal unilateral letter grade i will say one, <laughs> one more quick thing for me i yeah. i do think it's a positive i never felt like haiti was a, a major threat to score yes yeah. individual moments in the first half one or two moments in the second half but as the game was winding down and the u.s are more or less protecting that one nil lead I didn't feel like, oh, man, I think he's yeah, got man. the gun yeah. to get back in this. And so I'm not saying the U.S. were dominant at the end of this game at all, but that is a positive note that you, you more or less keep Haiti away from goal and away from dangerous opportunities. I think that's a good thing. All right, you might have just blown my mind a little bit there, Joe, because for for me, having made the argument that like it seemed like options sort of reopened for Haiti at times, there's also the argument that like they just had to keep trying different stuff because nothing was ever that open for them. And I do feel like, to your point, that's the case that it never was, oh, they keep attacking down this side, they're pulling Sam Vines out, or they're stretching the U.S. wide, and then they're attacking through those gaps. There was never an obvious thing that Burhalter wasn't dealing with or an obvious threat that was presented that wasn't handled it was individual intermittent threats that kind of popped up in random places and so i am now maybe more inclined to lean towards maybe that was the u.s doing some good stuff and haiti just finding a a little bit too much time a little bit too much space but never consistently in one spot 
Yeah, and and hopefully that will stay true as we go back through and watch, and uh, and I won't feel like a fool for saying that. But I I think I think that's a fair summary, Taylor. Yeah, I, I think I think it just it brings me back to like I think this was a good performance. I think it was an okay performance, but I don't want to be too optimistic and then have us come crashing back to earth. I also don't want to be too negative. So I think this the rambling conclusion while trying to decide a letter grade seems like the appropriate period to end the quick take hot take episode, Joe. How say you? Yeah, they're getting an eye incomplete because we'll we'll revisit this tomorrow that's <laughs> where right. i stand Taylor. perfect perfect all right so the plan is we're gonna rewatch this uh joe i'm guessing you're gonna do that tonight i will be doing that early tomorrow morning it is still sunday so yes early tomorrow morning i'll be doing that one and then we'll be back uh mid to late morning east coast time to do that review talk it out in more detail and that show will be with you monday at some point all that sound good joe sounds great to me taylor All right, listeners, thanks so much for listening to our Quick Take Hot Take. We'll talk to you soon.